1: Looking for a new career? Welcome to do HVAC Training Service Center in North Charleston. Enroll today in our comprehensive HVAC training hands-on field experience-based program. Covering troubleshooting, maintenance, installation, and more on various HVAC systems and ductwork. We offer EPA and NAEP preparation and testing, along with various certifications. Enjoy payment options. Take advantage of their November specials. Achieve certification in under five months. Enroll now for your new journey of skill development and career advancement. Log on to DEW sc.com to register.
0: Two Aussies racing each other in a spot that we didn't like at all. And that meant most of you turned off the full race and watched the KO Mini Highlights if that was an option for you race directors, TV directors. If you're a director this weekend, very clear you have no idea what you're doing. But I tell you what, it at least was a bit spicy towards the end. And of course, we have to thank the absolute God of Formula One for such entertainment. G'day, I'm James. Welcome to the Australian Opinion on Formula One here at the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast. In this episode, we review the Brazilian Grand Prix. And I'm joined by my friend and yours, Freya Brosma. Hello, mate.
2: Hello, mate. I've nearly recovered from the snooze fest that was the was Sunday after the restart, but you know, we'll find something to talk about. <laughs>
0: I don't understand. Look, I I actually really enjoyed this race. You, if you ignore Max Verstappen, which often I tend to do <laughs> after turn one, you ignore Lando Norris's performance, which was very well done. The tactics that were going on towards the middle and the back were interesting, and it also was a let's play a game of who cannot be hot because <laughs> uh, if you are hot, And you're out.
2: I half expected Uh, Alonso to say, my seat, my seat is is really hot all of a sudden. (laughs) Everyone else is having cooling issues.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but uh, a little bit of a bore fest. The sprint race weekend side of things wasn't all that entertaining, to be perfectly honest. But the good news is Sao Paulo has been extended for many, many years and hopefully will be forever. Uh, It is such a brilliant race circuit. Uh, and always delivers, as Martin Brundle says, he's not sure where it comes from, but the most ominous storm in television history appeared at the end of qualifying, which was shocking for everyone except for Lance Stroll, <laughs> who was able to say to people, "Hey, look, I qualified in third, yeah, but not on your own pace, buddy." Uh, all right, no. let's let's just jump straight into. Look, I'm going to take us to Tommy T's television broadcast review first because I have too many things on my mind, Freya, that I want to get away from first. Tommy Tommy, Tommy. Anthem. So, <laughs> not sure if you saw this. I didn't. I didn't. But, unfortunately. Uh, okay. Let me let me paint a picture for you. Um, a beautiful Brazilian instrument uh, between a guitar and ukulele. I forget the name off the top of my head, so please excuse my ignorance. Um, beautifully played by uh, who I assume was the younger brother of the singer. Um, and uh, anyway, she started singing. That was fine. It was very slow-moving pace. We know how I felt about the American national anthem. <laughs> um, needed to pick itself up a little bit. Um, and at one point, uh, either she stopped singing or the microphone stopped working because oh, no. all of the gathered officials standing next to Stefano DiMidicali all started trying to look around the cameraman, uh, which was um, very interesting because uh, she had stopped singing. But the guitar slash ukulele playing continued uh it was an interesting anthem but lots of passion you i loved being able to watch the marshals who are holding the brazilian flag behind the two singers uh performers rather sing along as well i haven't seen a lot of that this year um but of course brazil is a, a brilliant place to come the tv director has many 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 options to choose good views um, and he did not. He or she did not. There was an absolutely terrible weekend of TV direction from my view, Freya. It
2: very much peaked before the race, where they were showing the lakes around it and explaining yeah. the name for Interlagos being between these two kind of bodies of water that was at the absolute peak of the race direction this weekend and everybody learned something I think Gunther even said thanks you've just taught me a bit more about Brazil that's fantastic and it kind of went downhill from there to be honest I did miss the anthem but that's problematic and a shame for the singer I'm sure that will be something that they will be somewhat uh you know upset about um, and then for the rest of it, just, oh my gosh, we can go through the moments, but the one which got me really at the end um, was actually Alonzo getting out of the car and the cameras on Norris. And I was like, Alonso has just been performing like an absolute God and he's finally out of his car. And I know what that chanting sounds like. I saw it in Montreal last night, last year, mm-hmm. where everybody is just cl- chanting his name and you've got the camera somewhere else. I was very upset about that.
0: Someone needs to tell the television director that we don't need to see Max Verstappen crossing the finish line mm. when he's that. If if there is a thirty second gap, who cares? All right, cut to it. Maybe at the just the last second, we don't need to see the entire run up of that, and then the entire run up of Lando Norris again up to the, the checkered flag. When you have such an awesome battle going on, Happening in the sprint as well with Daniel. It, it, it is yeah. just. I don't understand when you this is your job how can you be so shit at it <laughs> when there are so many people out there who probably really want it I genuine question it's same with the, the race director and I'm going to bring this up again later when you were when we haven't spoken about it nearly as much we heaped on, on Michael Massey yep. back in the day when he made silly decisions but we still respected him because at least he made decisions now they are just it is ridiculous anyway uh, we also didn't have Bernie this weekend, Freya, which is a, again an immediate uh, mark down yep. for the Sky broadcast. Can I get your score out of ten for the, the the great man's television broadcast review? The great man being Baltimore. Well,
2: I mean, I mean, I think he was actually at the track qualifying. If you did saw those guys, <laughs> it did look like the dark mark was about to appear. So we, I mean, we haven't spoken to Tommy T Cheeky in look. months. So if he's if he's somewhere. I've got no idea now. Um, yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, no Bernie. That's demerit points right there. The end of the race I was disappointed with given what was still happening and even when Alonso got out of the car, I just wanted to see that man's face. Um, I didn't, I have to say, I didn't <laughs> see the uh, the anthem. But overall, but the, I, look, I did like the lakes. I love a body mm. of water. So I'm going to. There was a flyover too. I'm going to say a a 5.5 out
0: of 10. Yeah, okay. I Look, I will agree. There was an upside-down PC-21 flight. It's the same aircraft type as what the Roulettes fly. Um, It was absolutely nothing to do with the Anthem, though, I feel, or if it was, it was about 15 years too late for that. So 5.5, I think, is a fair comment, uh, Freya, fair enough. And now it's time for the Discord Comment of the Week. All right, let's go to our Discord comment of the week. And my Discord comment of the week this week comes from Anna. Uh, and this is just spitting hot real fire and absolute um, truth because what she said is, I'd rather see angry and frustrated Daniel than depressed Daniel. Uh, and yeah. I think yeah. that's it. Anna, thank you for that. And thank you for everyone for being part of the Discord this weekend. It was absolutely off chops for a lot of it. Uh, it is just so much fun to be able to, to see and to follow along with. But Freya, I feel that deep in my soul oh, because he him complaining about the DRS, the second DRS zone. Um and actually getting on the radio and just venting about it. I was like, okay, he he wants this. Yeah. There is no shadow of a doubt anymore about his willingness to be here.
2: Oh, absolutely. We've taken angry, frustrated Daniel over a sad and depressed and hopeless feeling, Daniel, any day, any day. So, Anna, you are absolutely spot on with that comment. And he's obviously got a fire. Um, I think that's just... Well, we'll talk obviously about him and his performance this weekend but it's just that difference between feeling like there is the potential and not feeling like there is any future you know that is the difference between having hope for what you can totally. do and going what's the point you know that they are yep. the two mindsets and we're seeing somebody who knows that they can actually reel in some points for the team and help them out and get some good racing done um, in comparison to somebody who is feeling probably
0: quite disempowered. Alpha Tauri looked very strong this weekend in comparison to the beginning of the year. We will get to them. You're absolutely right. Let's now look at how hopeless we were with our predictions. Do I get
2: a Discord Absol- comment of the week?
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Absolutely, you do. Thank you very sorry, much. I thought you would agree with me with Anna. Uh, no, Anna, you're in the bin for Freya. No. Put yourself in the bin immediately. Anna is
2: not in the bin. It's not. What I said she's also the one who cooks delicious food every weekend in the theme I of the know. race. So there was some oh, incredible so dishes good. coming up this weekend as well. So my Discord comment of the week actually goes as mm. voted by our Discord members. Mm. To a guy mm. in the bar that I was watching in, where for, <laughs> it was, I think it was like during do you remember of me? During the red flag. I don't know, it just it all kind of went quiet for a second. And it was quite loud in there, and it kind of went quiet for a second. And the commentary was, you know, not talking about anything in particular, tires, tire management, you know, what's the weather like? Isn't that mad? Blah, blah, blah. And someone just out of the blue behind me just goes, fuck you, Lando Norris. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking about him he is not on screen nobody is talking about him and that thought just came to your mind and you just let it run out and there was something about the completely you know zero prompt out of the blue that's what was on your mind and that it just made me laugh but because I do feel like I need to um, uh, give a shout out to our Discord um, members James Mm. tell me what you can see on this screen
0: Oh, well, I mean, that's that's almost going to be the single winning thing for Freya Brolsma. anything to do with the golden retriever, <laughs> but the golden retriever sitting, begging almost, uh, looking up at probably what I can only imagine is a food source of some description because they're so food-driven. D- I doubt it's a ball uh, with a red flag in the background. That is that is your uh, photo of the year.
2: <laughs> that's my photo of the year. So Ben M has posted this, this photo of his golden retriever called Harry, Um, who is demanding that he's paid attention to him and and not to the TV (laughs) and the way he he is so proudly displaying his furry little chest and his gorgeous little paws. Harry, you might have just won the internet for me because (laughs) Golden Retriever Formula One crossovers is Mm. my jam. (laughs)
0: Mm, Maybe in the uh, Discord cats and dogs section, Frey, you can uh, post a picture of uh, a recent addition to your family back home. I
2: can do that. I can do that.
0: Matilda Uh, would
2: be delighted.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Harry. Thank you for being the sweetest boy uh, as part of our Discord for this weekend. All right, let us now move on to the predictions uh, and what we got right, what we got wrong. Uh, Let's start with Campy's. Campy's front row was Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. Now, to be fair to both him and me, because I had the same, um, this is the only track that Mercedes had form on last year uh, and with a terrible designed car. We probably thought, hey, maybe the car is now better designed. It would be better. Incorrect. Uh, He had for his uh, podium Verstappen, Hamilton and Piastri, (sighs) Oh, <sighs> that's, that's no good for Oscar. And <laughs> 10th Gasly because he wanted him to crash, but Gasly actually got decent all of points. Yeah. But that's because everyone else retired. Uh, Freya, you had Verstappen. Um, sorry, you had. What have I done here? You had signs. You didn't have anyone else for your front row. You just said signs. So color signs senior, color signs <laughs> junior lining up. Uh, the podium Hamilton, Verstappen, Norris, and 10th Albon. Oh, Norris Albon. and Verstappen. Good. Interesting again it's for two Hamilton. Out of three. Uh, I had Verstappen and Hamilton. I also had Verstappen, Hamilton, and Signs and Joe in tenth. And so the curse for tenth for me was active this week. Uh, basically, have a fire power unit, have an issue unless you call Signs.
2: That's two out of three of our tenth predictions who DNF'd. <laughs> 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 this is no good.
0: This is why we're not allowed in the paddock.
2: <laughs> no, people <laughs> like no, stop no. talking
0: about it. This there's the Rosberg
2: curse, and then there's the Lakeside Drive curse. Everybody yeah. knows about it. Yep.
0: Well, yep. as as a, a term that Michael Laminato and I coined on the Extreme a podcast, the podcasters' pox will mm. uh, is is what we came up with, which is true for tenth position. Okay, Freya, let's jump into a bit of a team by team analysis. We're going to focus on the race and the actual qualifying because uh, nothing all that interesting really happened in Sprint, uh, apart from Daniel Orme being very frustrated about missing out on uh, Championship Point, which was his only opportunity really this weekend to get that, thanks to two harses and a Williams. Um, let's start, though, at the very back of the pack. Unfortunately for this weekend, Alfa Romeo, Sauber. Um, Bottas qualified 18th, Joe qualified 20th. They both did not finish. Bottas had some really good race pace at one point. Uh, Joe had the most soft tires saved for his last stint, which was what wasn't to be Freya. It's interesting. We can we're getting to the end of the season, so it is very difficult to start to talk about new things with teams that we are pretty certain to focus totally on yeah. next year now. Um, but it is neither here nor there. The interesting thing about this team is that uh, they've not scored a single point in uh, a sprint weekend this year. It's the only team to have not scored in a sprint race weekend.
2: I mean, I don't know how much there is to say, like you said, at this point of the season, we've only got two races left. I honestly think that these two are just going, not going through the motions necessarily, but they are waiting for this season to be over <laughs> um, so yes. they can have a little break and come back fresh because you just, they don't seem to be able to get any luck. We had one weekend where, you know, they we, they showed some great pace and we're in the points, were fantastic fantastic. Um, and there were moments this weekend and I think Bottas actually said, he said, you know, mm-hmm. it was really disappointing because we felt like we actually had great yeah. pace here. So to have the issues that we did um, to DNS, there's just something I think, just desperately heartbreaking about a double DNF. Like what, having one person in a team that you support um, not finishing for a technical issue feels really unlucky and disappointing, but it's kind of part of the sport. But when you have a double DNF and it's or, and it's on a team who have, you know, been having a tough time, it's just, you know, what do you say? It's just heartbreaking.
0: Yeah. What I would say though is a uh, a, a bit of joy in amongst all of this darkness uh, is a couple of things that um, proud Australian Valtteri Bottas uh <laughs> Yeah. Is, is doing. Um, if you don't follow Rejdev on uh, Instagram, by the way, who is the Mayo social uh, and digital person, please go and do that because he's got a great photo of VB and DR together, the two Australians, the two chaotic ex- yeah. Australians. Um <laughs> Firstly, a shout-out to um, Oliver Stranger and Ahana. I have not yet had an opportunity to taste the wine because my foot is in a cast, Um, but I will be doing a bit of a uh, wine opening review and then Freya, Campy and myself will share the other bottle in January. It's only a couple of months away whilst Freya is here, so we'll do a little bit of an episode there. Maybe we'll even go across to McLaren Vale. We'll just jump into the Ears and drive across and do it there. Um, So there's that. Valtteri is also doing a gravel event in uh, McLaren yeah. Vale, in Radelaide, the Adelaide Gravel, which I <laughs> think Rad-A-Lied is fantastic. Now. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> uh, just to just to talk about something that's different but it's also a bit joyous for, for Valerie Bottas, um, go and have check that out. If you don't follow him on social media, also he's doing Movember. So uh, the Dirty Mo will get to full capacity probably by the time Abu Dhabi comes around. How Tiffany feels about that, we will find out at that point. Um, also, if you've not listened to my chat with Tiffany Cromwell yet, she is an absolute legend. Um, the uh, You can click up here. I'll put a banner on, if you're watching on YouTube or go back and find my chat with her in the podcast feed. Um, Let's talk about Haas because uh, Kevin Magnussen really squeezed Nico Hulkenberg who then squeezed Alex Albon who then hit Magnussen who then had a tyre into the back of Daniel and uh, Oscar so um, had some uh, anti-Australian activity going on the track by a number of drivers here which was absolutely no good but qualifying 11th for Hulkenberg, 14th for Magnussen. Hulken ended up finishing 12th. Um, I'm pretty sure there was only 14 finishes, though, for the – where did it, Piastri? finish? 14th. There's only 14 yeah. finishes for the entire Grand Prix, so not exactly an amazing stat for them. Uh, this is a team, yet again, uh, that I was expecting Hulkenberg to suffer cooling issues too, Frey, considering how Ferrari they are.
2: Well, that's it. I think like there's no secret as to two of their biggest challenges when it comes to this team, one being tyre degradation and the other being the cooling issues that they seem to have. Not just here, they've had other races where that's affected them as well. So like you, I thought we might see them qualify fairly well, but they were likely to have issues here for the race for those two reasons mm-hmm. in particular. But just a start that went off to no good and didn't really get any better for them. So disappointing because I think we said the last time on the podcast is, of course, where we had that momentous KMAG moment in qualifying last year, which which shocked mm. everybody. So it was a shame not to see them higher up. Um, some other things that came out this week was that Haas are petitioning to review the US Grand Prix results and they have a hearing which has actually been set for tomorrow, so, well, Wednesday, so today, there, time isn't real. Um, <laughs> and it basically comes down to how track limits um, were applied and policed in the Austin Grand Prix. So that would affect potentially Albon, Checo and Stroll um, because they basically said, you know, there were two or three corners where it would appear as though they, uh, you know, exceeded track limits and they weren't weren't penalised for it. So, um, and that being enough you know more mm. than obviously needing more than one in a race to then get penalized for it um to have affected the the positioning overall so we'll see what comes from that in order for it to really get any traction they've got to have something that the stewards didn't have on the day yeah. so obviously Hell. if they're looking at this The stewards are going to look at the camera angles that they have um, and obviously decide, and let's be clear, they're not shy at handing out track limits warnings. It's something that they're quite willing to do, as we've seen in particular over the last four or five races. Um, So it's interesting because it suggests that Haas either has something, whether it's some evidence or footage or something, Mm. um, or it could be them just making a point to say we have a problem (laughs) with this and we're going to let you know about it.
0: Can I just say when you started talking about it, Campy out of nowhere in the back of my mind came up to me and went, snitches, get snitches. <laughs> That's the first. I was like, if Campy's going to say anything about the situation, that is that is what he would say. I, I uh, reckon
2: he'd be like, oh, grow, grow up, like, move yeah. on. Oh. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> sorry, listeners, you were having an audio uh, <laughs> feast up until that point. Um, what I think is interesting, though, is this is, Haas are now at last in the constructors' championship on twelve championship points. Alpha Romeo on sixteen. AlphaTauri on twenty-one. Williams on twenty-eight. So this is a battle for seventh now between yep. AlphaTauri and Williams, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But this is this is tactics now that are completely dire because mm. they can't do any talking on track. I think, and we sort of said this a couple of episodes ago. I'm pretty sure Haas need to grow up at one point or another and stop making cars inside Ferrari and invest in designing your own cars. The fact that Andretti is building a whole plant desi- like dedicated to that and you're not and they're not even in Formula 1 yet yeah. speaks volumes to me. I understand that takes lots of money and time and commitment and everything else, but there is no way on earth Haas will ever do anything well until they are out from underneath that, uh, that banner of Ferrari because it's just yeah. not going well. You have had a very long time at figuring that out. Brand new regulations in the first six rounds, you have a great opportunity to score points. We saw that in this era and the last era, um, so long as you can put tyres on properly, which you didn't at that point. But it, it just, to me, because there's a lot of potential here. And I think, yeah. Freya, for, from you, I'm interested f- from your point of view at the US Grand Prix, this is the American team, but it didn't feel like there was all that much support for them still.
2: No, not necessarily. Um, I mean, they loved the livery. The livery looked great and they had their special race suits. But, you know, the the loudest cheer, hands down, were two people, Daniel Ricciardo and Checo. Yes. Yep. They were the two people who got the biggest cheers, no competition at all. You know, the American team, even their American driver of Logan Sargent, nowhere near the support. Mm. And we've talked about that before just in terms of the charisma and yeah. um, and then obviously, you know, just the support that that, um, that Checo has in that part of the world, generally speaking. And and you can't compete with that. And I think it just it shows that they haven't quite learned what it takes to tap into potentially, you know, their own backyard.
0: Let's talk about Williams now. I'm laughing because I'm reading your note next to Albon. Sargent uh, qualified 19th uh, and <laughs> finished in 11th. Um, I forgot what I wrote, <laughs> and uh, and Alex Albon qualified fifteenth, had one of the best starts on the grid, and then to read yep. verbatim, then boo, uh, <laughs> which I agree because he had a he had a mega start would have would have been great around the outside manoeuvre. Um, Williams had a little bit of pace this weekend when they could work out the tyres. It's interesting this team hasn't gone as far forward in its development as I think we probably were all expecting it to do. Um, Logan Sargent, fantastic that he finished 11th. Uh, I saw a video of James Vowles talking to the team about trying to rally the troops around getting to 7th, and he said at the end of this season he wants to come away with 7th, which for Williams would be absolutely outstanding. But it does require both drivers to A, finish and B, score points. Um, We're going to Vegas, which we've never been to before as as a Grand Prix circuit, so who knows what that's going to be like. And then, of course, we've got Abu Dhabi. Um, they're in this battle for seventh with AlphaTauri, who now, at least for this weekend, see both of their drivers scoring points. So I don't think it's going to happen for Williams. We'll talk about AlphaTauri a little bit more about maybe points left on the table. But for Logan Sargent to be stood next to James Vowles talking about, you know, we're in this together, we need to score as many points, everything else. From your point of view, how hard is that for Logan? Because obviously, he's a human being. He's trying his absolute best. Unfortunately, it would seem that the car and him just not gelling to figure it out. We've seen it before. Checo, Daniel in a McLaren, it, it does happen. Um, the last person to properly gel uh, was uh, Nick Latifi with this Williams, mm. of course. And um, we, we welcome his return to the sport at any juncture. <laughs> but. But just in that video, which I'm not sure you saw, just how James gathers his troops around more generally though, I think it's probably one of the best leadership styles that I've seen in Formula One in, in recent times.
2: And when you pair him with someone like Albon, who is now a leader as a driver as well, as much as I don't think people initially saw him as that when he came made, came back and made his return to Williams after being doing all that support work with Red Bull, it is very evident that that's exactly what he is. So I think when you go with James Vowles and then Alex Albon you've got a very neat pairing to have somebody else who just needs to be sitting with Albon scoring some points wherever that is possible. So, you know, those two, I think we're working exceptionally well together. Just hearing how other people speak of both of them um, gives you a lot of confidence in their ability to get the team in the best place possible, whatever that is, um, for for their team and absolutely extracting the most potential, not just out of the car, but everybody who's working for that organisation. For Sargent, I think we just it can only be difficult because I think the, like you said, he is human and I think the the struggle with all of this is the shame that he might feel as a result and that is just mm-hmm. one of the most extraordinarily painful emotions that can link to all sorts of other, you know, troubling um, experiences and the problem I think for him that has been so frustrating for us to see is that the weekends that he has had some potential, he's then had some bad luck that has come with yeah. it. I definitely think he's improved though. Like I know I know when, it, when you look at his results on paper, it doesn't look good. Um, and has he had enough to show that he deserves to be in Formula One? Probably not. But- two things. One, I don't think they have a better option at this mm. stage. I think they are better off just continuing on what they've built to this point. Um, But the other thing is that he has improved. I think that that's hard to argue with. When you look at him at the start of the year to where he is at now, there have been big steps in improvement. And then if they can continue to you know, nurture the entire team in the way that they have this year, hopefully that that just continues. All I can say is that the team where it is at the moment he's in the best place possible to try and get those you know to try and get that best out of himself from from what we see certainly in terms of both his his teammate as well as well as their their leader you mentioned social media before and um Valtteri Bottas Alex Albon has to be my next favorite on <laughs> uh, on social media he's got he just has such a way he's got a bit of a kind of doesn't take himself too seriously. Um, very different personality, of course, to somebody like Valtteri. He also has that very obviously kind of fun, slightly rogue sense of humour about him. But with uh, with Alex and with his girlfriend Lily, who's obviously an exceptional athlete in her own right, they've got sponsorships like things like CeraVe and they'll post <laughs> the ad but then they'll post the videos of them trying to make the ad with his like foot foot on the wall behind him so trying funny. to turn the light on and off while she's there. Just... just <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, pr- no, no, they're not pretentious. They are just, they just seem like good fun. Real and people. It doesn't take him to all too seriously. So that's another person who I would suggest getting around as far as social totally. media goes.
0: Also, just to to dwell on Alex album for a little bit longer, at the Goodwood Festival of Speed earlier this year, uh, and I was there kind of with McLaren and Emma Gilmore and hanging out with Oscar on the Sunday. Seb Vettel was there, Oscar was there, Mick Schumacher was there, but also Alex Albon was there. No one had said anything that he was going to be there. He mm. turned up and was just the nicest person in the paddock. He was pausing for photos. There was no security around him. With Seb there was like six security guards around yeah. him all the time and everything else, but he was just so genuine. He was talking to the um, historical uh, mechanics with all the Williams cars that he was ended up driving and just his aura I kind of almost hate myself for using that word, (laughs) but it was just authentic. What you see is what you get with him. There's no putting anything else. Same with Oscar, actually. So um, I imagine he's just a great bloke.
2: Isn't it interesting to see when you see that type of behaviour, it doesn't make you take him any less seriously as a driver at all or suggest that he's going to be any less competitive than anybody else. So I just find it really interesting. This whole, it's one of the biggest myths I think around sport, generally speaking, is that whole, oh, you've got to be a bit of an asshole to be successful. No, you fucking don't. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have your moments, sure, uh, uh, but you can be a, you know, kind, supportive, good leader, all of those mm-hmm. things. You don't have to be a dickhead about it. And I just think he's a really good example of somebody who's obviously top 20 in the world at this sport um, and and shows that really, you know, genuine, lovely personality. Um, and it's just, it's, it's nice to see.
0: Let's talk about Alpine and how Esteban Ocon is incorrect most of the time. He said, Remember that time when he lost the car in qualifying and smashed oh into Alonso? My gosh. He comes out saying, People saying that I lost the car, that's not true. Um, break, we spoke about just before we started recording, or Blake Hinsey, who uh, ex former Rebel mechanic on, on Twitter, was like, Can someone get me the number of Esteban's dealer? Because whatever he is on <laughs> is outstanding. Uh, yes, agreed. Esteban, dude, just. Like, own up to your mistakes. I know Gazley's yeah. is starting to pants you and you're starting to worry about your future. The, the the honest truth is, mate, you're not going anywhere else in Formula 1. This is your last seat. Um, stuff like that is just ridiculous. When you're very obviously losing the car, don't come out and say that you didn't lose the car.
2: Did you not notice the 150 cameras that are dotted around <laughs> this track where we have onboards, we've got the window, oh. we've got all of these different footage Angles, and it is so clear that he has lost that car before he hits Alonso. Yeah. And so, I think so we could say, okay, well, Alonso could have given him a bit more space. Could didn't have to. He had plenty of no. room.
0: Plenty the of room. Width.
2: He was not in control in that of that car.
0: Ridiculous. Um, that's it. I'm. I've. Don't care <laughs> about him anymore. Uh, Gasly, though, the Gasly? best driver in Formula One God ever. He's
2: exceptional, isn't he? Frank yeah, is brilliant.
0: Qualified thirteenth, finished seventh. Uh, he look. He benefited from the m- numerous amounts of retirements that occurred. Was able to put some good pressure on George Russell, though, before he retired too. Uh, I mean, it's this car is nowhere. We keep talking about it. Um, they still don't have a team principal. But I think Gasly is starting to get into the rhythm now, Freya, with this team. It obviously takes a little while. He's come from the world of Red Bull and AlphaTauri and Toro Rosso. So there is a little bit of sort of re-education, I suppose, and especially going from uh, a UK-based or an Italian-based team to a UK-based team, now to a French and UK-based team. So in my mind, he's the one that's sort of stepping up for this team and I th- I think the team will start to build the car around his preference of driving style whilst it seems on paper that they've been very easy, easily matched or evenly matched rather Espen Ocon and Pierre Gasly it's hard to argue that you know from a press point of view from a commercial point of view um, Gasly seems to have a lot more weight behind him he doesn't say stupid things he does own up to his mistakes if he makes them uh, and of course this is a car that desperately needs some help it's not going to get it so 2026 they need someone who's going to be stable in that seat to help them to get to that point
2: yeah i think these two is actually one of the most interesting driving driver pairings in terms of seeing what's going to happen next there's others which are very kind of much stabilizing and we can see what they're going to look like in the next year or some year or two um you know Mercedes, that's not going to change, your Ferrari's not going to change, this, that and the other. You look at this one, I'm like, oh, that's Mm. interesting because they are Fairly evenly matched. You don't have one who is absolutely pantsing the other. You know, it's Mm. not a dramatic um, difference in their performance so far. Um, Both French just, the whole thing I actually find quite fascinating as a dynamic and how they choose to manage it for the next year or so and how that plays out. I think you're probably right. I do think that, you know, Ocon has had his opportunities I suppose with this car now Um, and he hasn't he hasn't done terribly he's a really solid set of hands most of the time obviously qualifying (laughs) accepted (laughs) Um, but you know for somebody to come straight into the team and kind of equal your performances it's probably not a great a great look for you and it's also that question of how much could somebody else be getting out of this car Um, yeah in comparison to your own performance, going to Gasly just for a minute, and I do agree that he's probably going to come out on top um, when it comes to those two. This weekend they said that they absolutely prioritised race pace over their qualifying setup, so he knew he probably wasn't going to qualify that well, um, but they had a much better chance of having a good race than they did having an exceptional qualifying. So if you know you're not going to qualify in your top five, well then you're better off having a car that's going to race well. And you have to trust that in order to be able to do some, some overtakes. So they wanted to be better on the straights. They'd made those adjustments in terms of their setup. And at the end of the day, they executed their strategy well. They managed their tyres well. Um, he had he had a great overtake that must have been on Hamilton and then was kind of hanging on to the back of signs, I want to say. Um, trying to think about what order I've already finished in. But, you know, he had some on-track overtakes as well. So as much as he did benefit from... Um, you know, some of the unique conditions of this race. He also overtook people on track, which was important because I think sometimes it's very easy to say, oh, well, you know, you just got undercut or this, that and the other. This was a combination of things working really well for him. So very mixed reviews from them as a team. Gasly having a pretty great weekend. Ocon, not so much.
0: Look, they both finished the points. They are sixth in the Constructors' Championship. They have no danger of getting fifth and they're no danger of being caught up uh, by Williams and AlphaTauri. In that seventh position. So that's where they will sit for the rest of this year. Let's talk about Alpha Uh Danny Rick qualified 17th. He just didn't have the pace in the second run. Um, finished 13th in the race. He finished ninth in the qual- in um, the sprint race, just outside the points. Sonoda finished, uh, qualified 16th, rather. So out qualifying Danny Rick. Um, and uh, then finished ninth. He also stuffed it going into one of the corners mm. and dropped a couple of places. So potentially some issues that he was managing, but also just maybe some patience still he needs to learn. Uh, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, Freya, is that he said of Daniel this week, one of the things I want to learn from Daniel is how he manages stress and you know that uh, how to manage one's own anger, for, for want of a better word, uh, yeah. and frustration when you get into a high-stress situation, which I think is really good because Daniel is very good at doing that. Um, Yuki Tsunoda is a fast driver. He is a very fast driver. It's just about putting it all together consistently. We know Michael Italiano has been working on that with him um, from a mental and physical mindset, but it's also, you know, you can only help a guy so much when he's in the car on a racetrack. Um, AlphaTauri, though, this is a bit of potentially not the – well, it's obviously not a great weekend for them. Um, they had pace. There was showing. Um, why on earth the race director doesn't just throw a red flag to begin with when you can see all of the shit on the track? We need to have a yellow flag, bring all the cars, and then and suddenly they're a lap down. Obviously we are aggrieved as Australians because both yep. Australians are affected by this. Yeah, But it is just not difficult, mate. Just throw a red flag. Like how much information do you need before you can see there is so much debris on the track, Nick, debris on the track for you to have to stop <laughs> The Grand Prix. Now, Campy doesn't like red flags, but in this instance, we wanted. I will speak on behalf of all of us, we wanted the red flag because to be a lap down immediately, what is the point of even going Grand Prix racing at that point? There is no point for the fans. There's no point for them. They've already started from the pit lanes. I bring them back up. I think it's a stupid rule. Uh, Yes, I'm aggrieved as an Australian, and you'll just have to deal with it because... They both drove a great race. The mechanics both for McLaren and for AlphaTauri worked incredibly hard to put those cars yeah. back on the track. Then Oscar Piastri was carrying damage for the rest of his time out around uh, Interlagos again, um, a, a Grand Prix circuit that he's never raced at before and showed a bit of pace. So anyway, rant over, race director, be better. I told you to be, to be better last weekend. You didn't listen. Here it is again. Be better at your job.
2: And do you know who agrees with us? Is uh, Zoe over at Fan Behaviour. So as much as we are Australian
1: Mm, and and obviously
2: biased, uh, could you tell? (laughs) We hadn't said that already. Um, Mid-race, I get a message from one of my favourite Americans saying I hate it here. This is Aussie (laughs) discrimination. I'm just saying Uh, uh, it. It's so cruel. I want to go home. (laughs) I was like... What have we done to you? All we do is give you fast and funny people and you give us slow red flags. It is mm. absolutely unacceptable. And yeah. Daniel Ricardo actually made an interesting point, which was that, you know, he's like, imagine if more cars had been affected in that incident and you had seven, eight, ten cars that were a lap down. Are you going to start restart the race? After a red flag with ten cars that are no. a lap down, so if this is a rule that could quickly be, you know, adjusted or no longer be logical, just based on how many cars are involved or something, I don't know. It just it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. There's no point, and I really do feel for everyone in the team. And we heard that on Ricardo's radio afterwards. You know, there was so much back and forth between him and the engineers, kind of saying like, it's this is everyone's. Everyone's pissed off because yeah. they worked bloody hard to get that car ready again. He worked hard to show the pace that they've mm-hmm. got and try and do like it. But what do you do, you know? So
0: well, I, there are options. A, it was a
2: really disappointing weekend, but it was also a promising weekend. It's one of those yeah. ones where you go, "There's a lot there," you know. They're not going to be challenging for you know your top two. Maybe a podium, actually, I think, if there were the right conditions and and enough other retirements. But, (laughs) you know, and things happen. Yeah, yeah. But so it's it was a promising weekend but a bloody frustrating one.
0: Look, there's opportunities for the race director to make that up. You have a safety car restart and just allow... DR and Oscar to unlap themselves. It's a 70-second uh-huh. circuit, so it wouldn't take yep. very long and then let everyone race. I would rather I think everyone would rather that rather than a second standing start and having these two drivers have no oh, well almost no ability to get points unless everyone yep. else retired. Yes, that is biased. No, I don't care. Um but <laughs> DR is DR is back from the sprint all the way through the race. It was great to see his pace for everything. Um, and look, I'm glad Yuki has been announced for next year too, alongside yep. Daniel for this point. Obviously, Liam Lawson's going to come in when is replaced by Daniel after Abu Dhabi. So, we're only a couple of weeks of that uh, away from that being announced. And my tinfoil hat is going to remain there. Yeah. But it is good news.
2: <laughs> one more thing I just wanted to say also, but to mm. your point about Yuki, one of the most challenging things to do is when you are in that state of anger as an emotion and you're experiencing it is to try and create space between what you're feeling and how you behave. And that's why, whilst the most patronizing phrase you'll ever hear when people say, take a deep breath or count to 10, what you're trying to do is create time between your amygdala, really angry little amygdala saying, fight him. (laughs) (laughs) And you going, maybe not today. What, you know, and allowing your frontal cortex to do its executive functioning and not, um, act on those, uh, very kind of, um, you know, caveman like emotions. The problem is that when you are going at 300 kilometers an hour and you are in a race condition, in racing conditions, that's very hard to do, which means you have to practice outside of those conditions. So you need to go and figure out what that strategy is going to be for you to try and create time between the feeling and the action practice it outside of that setting so that when you go into that environment you go I know what to do here or you you get familiar with the feeling of like oh no it's in it's in my throat it's gonna happen I'm gonna drive into them or drive off the track or do something silly you recognize those feelings in your body before you actually allow them to take over your behavior but like I said the conditions and the environment that they're in it's got to be the one of the most challenging ones ever to try and put that into into action. But it could be the difference between Yuki forever being this frustrated, angry, but with high potential driver and somebody who could, you know, get podiums.
0: Yeah. And look, he probably left points on the table this weekend as a result of that frustration. I mean, he could easily have been seventh. And with this fight with Williams, that points gap is uh is very close that could have made all the difference and also listen this is why I listen to the Lakeside Drive podcast for stuff like this this is why Campy also Freya thinks you're a doctor because that was absolutely <laughs> brilliant we're going to take a quick ad break we will be back very shortly
1: Looking for a new career? Welcome to Do HVAC Training Service Center in North Charleston. Enroll today in our comprehensive HVAC training hands-on field experience-based program. Covering troubleshooting, maintenance, installation, and more on various HVAC systems and ductwork. We offer EPA and NAEP preparation and testing, along with various certifications. Enjoy payment options. Take advantage of their November specials. Achieve certification in under five months. Enroll now for your new journey of skill development and career advancement. Log on to DEW HVAC. At to register. And
0: we are back. Hopefully you've all consumed that brilliant, brilliant dialogue from Freya. Um, thank you. That's uh, genuinely insightful and we don't get that enough. Maybe we need to, uh, you know, anyway, I don't know. That was just fantastic. I'm really, really stoked <laughs> about it. Let's talk about Mercedes, shall we? Um, George Russell, uh, he qualified in 6th, Hamilton qualified in 5th, uh, Hamilton finished in 8th, George didn't finish. Cooling was an issue amongst many cars this weekend, um, and Mercedes' pace just was not there. As you've written here, Toto Wolf has said, worst weekend ever. He has a habit of saying that at least once a year, uh, <laughs> although it was the opposite of how they felt this time last year.
2: This is not where they thought they were going to be this weekend. It was so disappointing. But my favourite moment uh, during this race for Mercedes was George Russell saying, so are we working together on this or are we just doing our own thing? And then like five laps later saying, so are we doing our own thing? And it's like, we're still discussing (coughs) it. I was like, how long are you going to discuss this for? But the reason why he asked that, I think, was because he could not hold on to Hamilton's pace. So he was yeah. like, my only way, potential way of scoring some good points here is if we work together because I don't think I can do it on my own. So I think he was wanting to know if there was a bit more stretch in strategy to allow him to kind of work a bit more closely with Hamilton to try and pull them both up um, yeah. rather than kind of get left behind, uh, which is, you know, ultimately I was going to say what happened but not really No, he had to. Uh, <laughs> didn't get left behind, didn't finish. Yeah, um, But, yeah, cooling, couldn't get it under control
0: it's interesting the more this season goes on and, and I know we've spoken about this also recently on the podcast, but just how the the divide between Hamilton and, and Russell is playing itself out. Um, and I think someone also pointed out just the, the Williams era of George Russell versus the Williams era of Alex Albon and just some differences there. I mean, it's not, you can't really be direct comparison because there's a lot more upgrades now in this, this Williams generation than there were when George Russell was there. But, people are starting to make this noise about maybe George isn't the driver that everyone was kind of expecting him to be in terms of raw pace and whatnot, especially compared to Lewis Hamilton. But in the same breath to say, well, Hamilton's not dropped any kind of pace or want for this sport and his 8th World Championship, uh, even at his age, inverted commas, his age, although he's still young (laughs) enough to be doing this stuff. Um, Mercedes will be interesting. Again, I think they're probably going to now be focused more on next year. Just understanding the upgrades of having these side pods and compared to the no pods and and understanding what that car can then do. Let's keep talking, though, Freya, because I want to talk about Ferrari um, and the devastating weekend for Charles Leclerc, who didn't even make it to the starting grid, had some mechanical issues, retires locked up, no hydraulic pressure. And for the first time this season, instead of blaming the car or somebody else, he gets on the radio and says, why do I have all of this bad luck? Charles lamenting Charles for the first yeah. time on the radio. Um, he qualified in P2. science qualified in P8 and finished in six. Uh, had some mechanical problems of his own. I think we are all kind of wondering whether a cooling issue would be for him too, Freya. But it's frustrating because Freddie Vasseur was very buoyant at the beginning of the Grand Prix, standing next to the Ferrari, talking to Martin Brundle in the grid walk. Uh, oh, Just Charles just wants it to be over, doesn't he?
2: What do you what do you say? And he and, and well, what he did say was this: oh, I just want to forget this whole season. It just, yeah. And it really was. I think you're completely right in saying his words this weekend. I mean, a they're what we all have probably been feeling for a while. <laughs> it's just that he finally felt like he could actually say it. Yeah. But it is exactly that this whole season. He's like, I just want to forget it. Um, and I think you know, much like some other teams who probably thought they would have a bit more. Um, success here just came crashing down so so quickly and it also it it reminded me of james the amount of times that we say things like when will hamilton start complaining about his tires yeah probably on the formation lap or when will when will the ferrari blow up like oh lap one it actually happened (laughs) we usually say it as a joke uh so ferrari Don't take us seriously.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It just, yeah, heartbreaking. I mean, they're going to want to look at next season already. And, I mean, Charles had such a great first half of last season too, so he would be expecting something. I mean, Carlos Sainz is the only non-Rebel driver to win this year, so there is some joy for Ferrari but not a lot. Okay, let's talk about Aston Martin. Uh, Fernando Alonso, just god in every single way. Um, let's get this out of the way first, though. There is absolutely no truth about any rumours to do with Fernando Alonso to Red Bull Racing. Please stop clicking any kind of clickbait headlines around that. Um, there are some very substandard, subpar, average journalists, inverted commas, around the world talking about Formula One. And you clicking on their stories isn't helping because they get ad revenue and a whole bunch of other stuff from it. Um, Fernando is exceptionally happy in Aston Martin. He'll know more about what's going on in that team than anyone, of course, and whether or not Lance and Lawrence Stroll will remain there or if they're indeed selling off shares and moving themselves along. But there is clearly pace in this car again, Freya. We've seen that uh, the last couple of rounds that really dropped off. They brought some upgrades didn't fully understand it, had some hybrid up of the former version of the car and the new version of the car, finally figured it out. Um, And Asimant even said for the the Mexican Grand Prix and for the United States Grand Prix that it was almost an open test session. We just put the cars out there to figure it out and see what goes on. Um, And they're finally able to bring some pace back. Whilst I don't believe Lance Stroll's pace of third in qualifying was real, it was good at least for him to hopefully give him a bit of a boost and remind him that, uh, he's a Formula 1 driver. Uh, Fernando Alonso qualified in fourth. He ended up finishing third, which was just the Epic. best racing. And finally Epic. we saw all of it <laughs> in the last couple of laps. Um, and Stroll finished in fifth. So for Aston Martin actually getting points on the board again, thank goodness for that. Uh, Lance in really needs to work on his starts, but that's okay. There's things to be spoken about here, Freya, in a positive way for Aston Martin finally after all of these months of woe.
2: It was really interesting, wasn't it, to hear them saying just how experimental the last two races have been? And I think Nando actually said going into this race, he was really excited about it because it was the first one that he had done in quite some time where he felt just clear and confident in what they were doing and that they actually felt like they were there to race, the last two being so experimental. So it, sometimes you get that feeling from people going into the weekend. That they're like, yeah, we're on here. (laughs) Now, I don't think we can look too much into that. But in hindsight, with the PhD that I do have, (laughs) Captain Hindsight over here, it, it is interesting when you then do you know look to the the Wednesdays and Thursdays and how people are, are talking about their potential and and what they're doing the most interesting thing I I found though that oh my goodness that end to the race it was just phenomenal I was so excited to have some drama after what had been a quieter few laps um on the track it was just there was roars where we were watching everyone was very excited. And Alonso said, he's like, I thought I had everything under control. Um, And then all of a sudden Checo just had this pace that we did not expect and I thought it was done after the first overtake. And that just shows how much you have to, I think, kind of be able to, I suppose, switch where your head's at so quickly Mm. because if he thought it was done after the first overtake but then to realize that it was back on and go back into that type of mode um that's incredible I, it's definitely though the case that you know second row third and fourth i think that was being that's flattering to the pace that the car had um and they they did benefit from um from the end of uh of qualifying when Tommy T showed up so <laughs> but good it's it's good you know i think like the more the more teams that we have Fighting for podiums mm. with less um, inevitable kind of feeling results. It's good for the sport.
0: Yeah, it's great for the sport, and it was really great to see post race too. Sergio and Fernando getting around yes. each other and yep. enjoying that. And that's the, one of the things. These guys are all racers. They love good competition, fair competition. Sergio said, "You know, you know Fernando's going to try every single thing in the book, but he's going to do it fairly at Esteban Ocon." Uh, and so from that. <laughs> From that point of view, I just it was just so enthralling to watch. And yep. and for me, Loved that's it. what saved the whole Grand Prix weekend was that battle. Um, and just to see the lift for the team, three different teams on the podium. Uh, you know, Checo did perform pretty well, but again, would Max Verstappen have been able to get past Fernando Alonso? Probably. He's able to get more extraction out of that car. So whilst it's great for Fernando, and whilst Sergio was probably happy. He had that Grand Prix race time with Fernando. I doubt he would have been stoked about not getting that podium because we only have two more rounds to go. Let's talk about McLaren. Um, Oscar Piastri, again, having that issue. It wasn't anything to do with him. He uh, qualified 10th just off the pace of Lando Norris qualifying in 7th. Uh, He ended up finishing 14th. Norris, of course, having a pretty dominant drive in 2nd. There is a very clear distinction between someone who's been in this industry for many, many years and, and a rookie who hasn't come to this track before, another one of those tracks, and able to deliver. I mean, we're obviously biased from an Australian point of view, but this is promising talent. Oscar Piastri able to put stuff together uh, whilst he would have been absolutely frustrated about that result in terms of copping damage into the turn one. He still around went around the racetrack without complaining. He was still able to gather great data for the final two rounds. Uh, McLaren, though, Coming from worst to second best on the grid, Freya Mercedes still scratching their heads as to how their customer team was able to jump them so dominantly in 2023. I reckon.
2: I'm sure they might go back to them and say, "What have you learned about our yeah. engine that we don't know yet?" Um, but there's obviously been quite, uh, I suppose, fundamental changes to that organisation as well. And I have to say that I didn't think that we would see so such a step forward so quickly. I thought it might take them another. At least kind of half a year-ish you know I, I was hoping that going into next year we would really see them on the, uh, where they are now um so it's it's fantastic and it look Norris for all we say about him he's he has driven exceptionally well it's it's absolutely true to say you know he had that little battle with Max at the start and we'll obviously talk about Red Bull next but If anything, it just actually just shows how great the Max in that car is to kind of go. That's the closest thing you've had to um, some rivalry for quite some time and you just seem to find this, I don't know, if there's like a turbo button, he just presses when he feels like he's under threat and he just finds another gear. It's incredible. But Norris has done really well and Piastri said at the end of it, he said, look, it's another 70 laps around a track that I haven't driven before. So it's data, it's learning and under the conditions that we were in that's kind of the mindset i suppose that you have to go into of how can i still benefit from being on the track at this point in time if a if points are off the cards um then what else do i need from this um and it's to learn it's to learn everything about this car and and this yeah. track which is obviously what he's done frustrating though to watch
0: yeah and look the, he is the kind of guy who is able to see the forest from the trees in that respect uh, and he'll be fully focused on next year. He loves going Grand Prix racing, and it's great to see him able to be so mature considering he's the youngest on the grid. Let's finish up with Red Bull Racing. Max Verstappen, dominant race weekend. Uh, look, he is on a record-equalling amount of top-step wins kind of in a row, uh, where well, he's going to be again, I reckon, because it's going to be very hard for anyone to come back before Singapore next year. Um, Lando Norris, by the way, has uh, equaled Nick Heidfeld for the amount mm. of uh, podiums without a win. Um, <laughs> good on you, Lando. Um, and Sergio Perez, so qualified ninth. That's not great for him. Fourth, obviously, in that fight, thousandths away from being on the podium, which I Incredible. think is just fantastic. Reminiscent of the hamilton Gasly finish uh, we had a couple of years ago where um, I think at, then that, at that point Hamilton got disqualified for something or we got a penalty post-race and Carlos Sainz was promoted and McLaren had to then all st- like gather to get up to the podium and they turned the Wi-Fi off so the social media people couldn't post. Anyway, whatever. It was just <laughs> one of those things. But Rebel Racing, obviously very dominant. Max just very clinical with it. Uh, Probably not as dominant as, sorry, I say very dominant. They actually weren't really, if I think about qualifying, um, they still weren't probably as quick over one lap pace. But race car wise, I mean, it's Max Verstappen, isn't it, Freya? So it's hard to do much against that.
2: Exactly. And I think, as I was saying earlier, it's just astonishing with him right when you think that maybe you've found a kind of, you know, chink in the armor. It's, uh, he just somehow pulls it out and it it is quite amazing, but I just want to focus on that battle with Alonzo. I know we've already talked about it, but James Hinchiff was talking about it afterwards with Laura Winter and he was not short of praise for that racing because it was fantastic. Like you said, it was fair. Um, and he said, look, there's not many drivers that who can pull those types of maneuvers and they both said that as well but he said at the same time he should not have been in that position he's Mm -hmm. the qualifying component has just got to get better now I can't recall exactly where he was and if we had another push slap to go uh when the rain came down in qualifying so I'm not sure how much more he he could have done there or not I don't don't recall exactly where he was in terms of his his qualifying strategy but he needs to not be in the position of having to make his way through the field. Sure. We get to see his racecraft, which is great for spectators, but I think just when it comes to the position that he finds himself in, in the last 10 laps, still trying to push himself onto the podium, Um, but still grateful for the racing that we got to see.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that's our team by team analysis done and dusted for another week. Let's talk about our driver for the day, who I assume is all the same driver because you've already written Fernando Alonso, so <laughs> I am saying for Campy on his behalf, Fernando Alonso, and for myself, Fernando Alonso. Yeah. Uh, just a masterclass in driving a car that wasn't as fast as the two cars in front of him and should have not have been as fast as the car behind him. Uh, fantastic all around. Fantastic. 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 Let's do our fantasy team name competition to wrap this one up. Uh, first was McLaren is out of the bin. 471 points, three times Verstappen, two times Norris. Alonso, Piastri and Ricardo with Rebel Racing and McLaren is your team. Very, very well done. Um, helps when you do a sprint race weekend as well, I imagine, you get more points. Second was Hashley uh, with 451 points and third, Super Speed 17, 409. Just a few names to round us out, Freya. Holy skid blocker rooney uh, <laughs> Kia Sorrento Racing Team. Hello, Tilly Willie. Oh, uh, Rio De Ricardo, and two big hossie boys. Um, <laughs> I was ninth camp, he's 36, so that's very exciting. And Freya, still not part of this competition this year. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, listener, if you want to support the show, there's a couple of ways that you can do that. Firstly, you can join our Patreon and get ad-free content. Link is in the description or just go to Patreon and search for Lakeside Drive. You can buy some merchandise with a couple of hats left still, which is cool. Um, I also maybe re- designed a T-shirt over the weekend after oh, a couple gosh. of beers. Oh, so what
2: have you done?
0: A couple of people have we, already ordered that, which is we're fantastic. We're serious
2: people, James. No,
0: we're not. We're uh, serious people. You can check that out, that disaster out on, uh, on the website as well. Um, And if you haven't yet subscribed to us on YouTube or on Instagram, please do. Apparently, once you get above a 1,000 on both of those platforms, things start happening in a better format. We're not going anywhere. We love doing what we're doing, and we are massively grateful to you for that. But, Fram, thank you to you. Uh, We're not going to see you next weekend of our preview of the race, of which there are many tickets left still for sale for Las Vegas. What a surprise. Very expensive. It will be interesting to see if those drop in price in the next 14 days because I tell you what, Freya, it would be a pretty poor look if Vegas didn't sell out or at least didn't appear packed, wouldn't it?
2: If I wasn't so against this race, if they dropped those ticket prices massively, I might just go. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm sad not to be joining you next weekend because I have many things to say. So I might just... Uh, Drop you a few notes as to how my opinions start to form Mm. during the week. But do you know what? Williams is my call for next week. Mm. I reckon Vegas and Williams is going to, they're going to, they're both going to be in the points. It's going to be great because it's going to be cold, because it's in the desert and it's in the middle of the night. So many problems, but long straights, cold weather. I think that Williams is going to be an absolute rocket ship.
0: Well, we'll see how that plays out. Join Campy and myself next week for a preview of the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Thank you so much for listening. See you later.
1: Looking for a new career? Welcome to Do HVAC Training Service Center in North Charleston. Enroll today in our comprehensive HVAC training hands-on field experience-based program. Covering troubleshooting, maintenance, installation, and more on various HVAC systems and ductwork. We offer EPA and NAEP preparation and testing, along with various certifications. Enjoy payment options. Take advantage of their November specials. Achieve certification in under five months. Enroll now for your new journey of skill development and career advancement. Log on to DEWH. Backtrainingsc.com to register. Sports Social Podcast Network.